Hello and welcome to the Music Survival Guide, the independent musician's guide on how to survive in the music industry. My name is Phil, a mixing and mastering engineer. I hope you're doing well out there in podcast land. It's very warm as I speak and I'm struggling, but there we are. I always struggle with the heat. So there we go. Maybe it's a good thing I don't live in an even hotter country. <laughs> That's not the point. This week um, I'm chatting with Ash Tustain, who is the guitarist and vocalist in Dig Lazarus and a guitarist with CVR Pierce and the Hooligans. So we discuss all sorts of things in this episode, like balancing being part of two bands simultaneously, how you can go about that, the challenges and joys, of course, of being a full-time musician and collaborating with other musicians to bring your musical vision to life, getting other people not from the band involved in what you're doing. It's a great episode, and I'm just going to stop blabbing and say, on we go. So today on the podcast, I am joined by Ash, who is the singer and guitarist in Dig Lazarus, and if I've got this right, the guitar player in Stevie R. Pierce and the Hooligans. Ash, how are you? Hey, man. How's it going? Well. Good. Good, yeah. Dying in the heat. Um, because I hate the heat, but apart from that, yeah. well. So, my first question, as always, is from an online random question generator. So, there we are. And the first question for you this week is, what is the farthest distance you have driven? What, to, to play a gig or just, just to drive? I think just, just to drive, just in general. I used to do a really stupid job where I fixed gym equipment and our boss would never pay for nights out. So, we would have to like drive to the job, do the job, and then drive home. So probably like North North Scotland, like Highlands somewhere, um, is probably the furthest I've driven. Um, that's brutal. I've been driven further, but I've been a, in the van asleep, so that that doesn't count. But yeah, that doesn't probably count. if I drove, <laughs> probably like Highlands, I would say. Yeah, fair. That's that's pretty intense. I've never driven that far. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I wouldn't want to. But there we are. Don't live in America. So, <laughs> so my first um, real question for you. <laughs> yeah, I guess that wasn't a real question. Is how <laughs> did you get into uh, music in the first place? Um, I think just just growing up, like everyone really, everyone's got um, a story about a family member that, um, you know, is always into music or puts them in the right direction of what they should be listening to. Uh, for me, it was my uncle, who is, is still my best friend now. Um, he comes out on the road with us, which is great. Um, but, you know, he was the one that was like, listen to this ACDC album or, um, you know, really kind of give me the rock and roll ABC. Um yeah, it's a very musical family. Like my my grandpa's a classical musician. My mum played. My brother plays in a band. Um, so yeah, it's all it's all family when you're growing up. Really, that's I guess that's how every musician gets into it, right? It's someone they look to plays and and they want to uh, you know follow in their footsteps. So yeah, I would I would definitely say it's from my uncle mainly. Yeah. So it's inevitable in your family that you'd start playing an instrument of some description. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> pretty much. Yeah. Was, was guitar guitar the first thing, or was it something? I know. I remember when I wanted a guitar, I had to do a year's uh, worth of piano lessons, um, which I was fine. You know, I I could read a bit of music, and I still play a little bit now, but not not very well. Um, not as much as I play guitar, but yeah, I think uh, guitar was the one that I I kind of took more seriously from the get go. So, moving the for- story forward a little bit, I guess. How did Dig Lazarus get together in the in the first place? Um. So we were all, all all from school, really. Again, the classic kind of band story, I guess. Um, we were all... So this is... So the line we've got now is, is Jack Cottrell, the drummer. Um, Atticus Hormonair is the bass player. And then me. Now, don't get me wrong, we've been a band for kind of 10 years. Um, but the first year or so of the band, there was a different drummer and a different bass player. Um, and 
we we knew we kind of I kind of knew of Jack and Atty anyway, so it was kind of always going to happen that they were going to be in the band, I guess. Um, so, but yeah, it was it was all from school. Even though Jack went to a different school than what we went to, me and Atty, um, Atty's the year below us. But we, if you kind of play music in the small town we're from, that you all kind of play together at some point, um, which is great. Um, and at that time, there was a lots there was lots of bands around and. It made for great gigs because every week there would be a band playing in town on, on a Friday night and uh, the whole school would go, even though like you couldn't drink or whatever, like you would just go out on the Friday to party and, and listen to the band. So yeah, it was all from school. Yeah. Nice. Sounds like it sounds good to me going out, going out on a Friday night. Yeah. No. <laughs> it's not really something that happened in Leeds where I grew up. I don't know. People didn't do that. Anyway. I, I think it's weird because like we, so we're from uh, Hinkley in, near Leicester and there was nothing ever going on, but uh, like I say, on a Friday there was a, there was one place called Praha that we we would play, and they knew they got we would play for like three hours, and we would get sixty pounds, and even then we would have to argue about the sixty pounds, and we're you know kids, we're like sixteen years old, um, having to argue for the sixty quid because of like, I'm not joking, like the majority of the school were in this it was in this bar um, drinking. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. <laughs> so what was your what was your first gig like as a band, if you can remember it? Uh, the first gig we had was we were supporting a band called Axis Monday, um, who they, they did pretty well for themselves in the end, but uh, the singer was basically my driving instructor. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it was at a place called Carnes, which we then later played a lot lot more, like when we got, got old enough to, to kind of drink and stuff. and. Um, yeah, uh, I just remember the first gig was a complete rush because we were, like I said, we were supporting this band, and Jack, the drummer, had been in the band for about a, like four days, five days, and on the morning of the or the or the day before, whatever, I was like, okay, well, you're in the band now, so we've got this gig tomorrow. You good for it? He's like, yeah, yeah. I just need to go and get a drum kit. We we're like, oh, you you haven't got a drum kit, and he didn't have a drum kit. So th- th- when I knew he was the right drummer that day, he drove to Manchester. <laughs> in his, uh, his dreadful little car and, and bought a drum kit and then came back and played the gig. And that's when I was like, okay, well, you're in. <laughs> I mean, I guess. Do, do you really need a drum kit before you're gigging? <laughs> Wait for I the mean, gig to come along? Yeah. Um, no, but it was cool. Like I said, the cons was great. Like, like I said, we're quite lucky in that sort of era Like uh, in, in Hinkley, there was this this kind of cool music scene where there's lots of bands playing. There's a couple of venues and um, yeah, we probably did half hour. We probably did some of our own songs and then a couple of covers maybe. Um, but I don't remember it being horrendous. Well, that's good. Yeah, that's good. Half, half the people who've been on this podcast have told me terrible things about their first gigs. So. <laughs> well, hey, that's from me. Like maybe it was bad. Maybe speak, to <laughs> maybe speak to my uncle. <laughs> you should do an interview with him. <laughs> but you enjoyed it, right? So, there we are. <laughs> so I, I guess speaking of that, have you ever had any nightmare experience gigs where things have gone wrong? Um, feel free to to leave out names and venues if that helps. Yeah, nothing. I mean, it's funny because I, I believe it or not, I am a fan of the pod. I listened to um, Ian from Amongst Liars, and his story was kind of like, you know, I, I was kind of because I think he was talking about playing at um, the Black Heart and the the amp went like his guitarist amp went and I was trying to think I was like I've been quite, when that when I was listening I was like quite lucky I was like I don't think I've really had anything in touch what I haven't 
I don't think. Only like, the, like a small lead problem, but I've always been able to joke about it or get away with it with you know, by talking with them. Like, something real simple like that. Um, but the one that came to mind wasn't me. Um, as such, it was we did a tour with Richie Ramone and. Um, the, the basically the deal was that we had the tour is that they would use our backline because they were coming over to the states. It was going to cost them a lot of money. The tour had been postponed a lot of time, so we were just like, "Look, just use our stuff, and we'll sort everything else out." So they were using our bass rig, um, and we've always had a bit of a problem with the bass head. It's just, it's a nightmare, but my bass player's too tight to buy a new one. But anyway, the, the jack input had got on it, and. Uh, Claire, the bass player, was having a nightmare, and it was just like, you know that horrible when you kind of plug in a jack in and it's coming out, and it's just like that that kind of boom. Um, and then what was funny is that it ended up uh, Kim, who, like I say, he's my uncle, but he drives for us and rode us for us. He um, jumped up on stage, and for like 30 minutes, like a saint, he held this 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 bleed into the top while Richard Ramone's dancing about, hey-ho, let's go. The crowd are going crazy. Kim's just there. So we all made a point of like going to the front uh, on the barrier and just taking photos of, and videos of Kim holding this thing in like he was part of the band. So not not a, a not horrible, you know, story about things breaking, but quite it was quite funny for us really. But without, you know, it was it didn't really happen to us, but um yeah, it was our gift. <laughs> I mean I mean to be fair, you did say there were gigs where you were arguing for sixty quid. I mean I'd argue that's pretty that's pretty difficult, but <laughs> <laughs> so moving over, how did you get involved um, with Stevie Pierce? So being involved in one band is one thing, but being involved in two two plus, as some musicians are, is a whole other ball game. So how did you find yourself there? Yeah, so so it was quite, it was in lockdown. Um, well, to be fair, I, I'd known Stevie for a while. Um, not you know not not crazy close, but we we had toured with him um, a few years ago when it was like his original. Um, lineup of the hooligans and Dig did, you know, a couple of tours with them, um, and we just kind of got on. And he, he just he, he always had my number, and we would chat every now and again about, you know, they, just ideas, which just kind of bounce ideas off each other, I guess. Um, and then in, in lockdown, he said, "Look, I need to, um, I want to want to know a fresh lineup. Who do you think should, you know, be in it?" And I was like, "Well, I don't know." Uh, <laughs> um, and I kind of flowed a few names at him and whatever. And he was like, what about you? Can you do it? And I was like, you don't want me. Like, of course, you, uh, come on. Like, I'm, honestly, I'm, I don't see myself as a guitarist. I'd prefer to be like a front man, I guess, or like a guy with a microphone. But I'm not, I'm not a, a, a rock guitarist, especially. You know, I've never done a solo in my life. I can't. I don't want to. Um, so I, try, I, talked to, I tried to talk him out of it for a long time. Um, and... Then I kind of said, okay, well, you know, I'll play for a bit. And then when you find someone, find that, you know, there's no hard feelings, you can crack on. And he hasn't found anyone. <laughs> and we've recorded this new album. So uh, I think I'm think i in now. Um, so that's that. But yeah, I think that's that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but he's great. He's, I learned a lot from him. Um, and the other the lads in the band are great. So the, the basically the rest of the band are the band that he plays with in Love Hate. So they all know each other a lot, um, and they obviously play a lot. So I'm kind of the spare part, like finding my way in. Um, but luckily, they're, they're lovely, and um, we really get on. And yeah, I go out tomorrow. I'm leaving tomorrow morning to go on a little tour with them. So look forward to that. But yeah, they're they're great, and I am very happy that he asked me in the end. You know, how do you how do you balance your time between being involved in two? 
bands? Is it actually quite easy or is it a bit of a negotiation? Or To be honest, I'm still finding my feet with that a little bit. Um, don't be wrong. I've been in Stevie, Stevie and the Hooligans for about a year now, but we've only kind of been busy the last five months with this album. Um, so I didn't re- I didn't have to spend lots of time on it um, because I was always writing for Dig and I'm always writing anyway. Um, but there was no there was no real because when like I say when I joined it was kind of like well I'm going to play these shows and then if they find someone else cool. So I was just kind of learning the, the back catalogue and I can learn a song. Um, I don't really have to put an input into it. Then when it got more into it and I realised that this is a great band and I want to be part of it, I would spend more time, you know, maybe adding my, um, you know, my my techniques, whatever. I don't know how you'd explain it. My sounds onto these songs and, and, and playing live and like I say, with this new album as well, um, just trying to be fair with everyone that I, yes, I'm still writing for Dig and, um, you know, I speak to Jack Natty every day. Um, we make sure we do. And we, we still practice a lot, even though, so I now live in Newcastle. Atty lives in Salisbury and Jack lives in Leicester. We're all over the country, but we will still meet to practice. Um, and same with Stevie, you know, we've got one in Scotland, one in London, and I'm in, in Newcastle. So, it, you know, I think it's, I think it's important to keep in touch with everyone and let everyone know what's happening. If I've got a new song, then the boys get it straight away. Um, and that tends to be how it works anyway. I'll write on an acoustic, they get a demo of it, then we get into the practice room and like hash out everything. Um, and that, that does seem to work for us. You know, we used to practice, we used to practice probably twice, three times a week. Now we, we don't feel like we need to do that. We take a little bit of time off. We've just, we've just a new album. So I've kind of, you know, spent a lot of time on that, but I've also made sure that I've had other stuff to do to, Take me out of that, if you know what I mean. If playing a uh, a Stevie set is completely different to playing a Dig set, and it puts you in different uh, like frame of mind. So, um, yeah, I think I think finding the balance between the two is is very important. Um, but yeah, I think trying to be fair and make sure everyone that's on, everyone's on the same page, and you're not not overwork yourself because then it doesn't it's not fun anymore, and you don't want to be working to these deadlines that you, or, or or say that you're going to do something and you're never going to you know. Um, come through with it. So, all a bit of a balancing act. I guess my my the, the next question that kind of occurs to me on that note is when when you're writing, what makes you go that's a Dig Lazarus idea or that's a Hooligans idea or does it not really work like that? I don't know. For, for me, I I don't think it works like that necessarily. I've always been quite um, Dig. Always been set in the ways without. I mean, that's my fault and it's quite selfish and it's not necessarily fair. To do it like this when you're in a band and you're kind of you know um, working with other people, but the the way I can't I can't write if I haven't got a starting point and I can't necessarily just walk into a room and, and start jamming and and like a lot of bands and I think that's incredible if you can do that. I I tend to I like to have an idea and work it out in my own time and do it acoustically um, and then if if it gets to a point where um, I think it can be turned into a dig song. I oh, don't get me wrong. Some of the ones we've we've took kind of turn into like a Frank Turner kind of song, which there's nothing wrong with that. But dig on a Frank Turner esque band, <laughs> you know, we're we're a rock band. Well, not that Frank Turner's not a rock band, but do you know what I mean? That big acoustic kind of power chord, like that's not us. Um, so there's songs that I've kept back, 
But then with Stevie stuff, I would be writing with Stevie and he, again, it's kind of like he takes the lead on that and I will fill in the gaps where I can for him. Um, but with Dig stuff, I, I tend to just do it all on my own and then once the, the skeleton's there, take it in and, and we can fill it out from, from, from the practice room. So there's a bit of a different approach to each, um, depending on the band. Cool. Nice. So something that um, interests me is that you have found yourself in the position that a lot of musicians would like to get to of being a full time musician. So I guess my first question is, is how? <laughs> uh, I mean, I'm, I'm, I count myself very lucky. Um, I'm very happy with what I do. I mean, obviously you said that, you know, I play in two touring bands. Um, that takes a lot of you know, throughout the year, you, you're looking at, you say you've got six months with each band, you're on tour with each band for two months at a time, um, you've got practice and then you've got to, to you know, record an album and, and there's lots of other things and, and basically we're always kind of doing it as kind of like a hobby, you know, like, because we love it. So you would go to work and completely knock yourself out and then try and write a song or go to practice or or drive three hours to a gig or whatever um and i kind of just looked at it last year that um if i worked a little bit harder i could probably earn more being a musician and not fixing gym equipment which is what i was doing before um i mean i pad it out with acoustic shows um which there's, again, there's nothing wrong with it. Um, I kind of like doing them, and I get to play a bit different stuff. And you know, those bookings are good, but I don't do that many of them. And I, again, I think if I worked a bit harder, I could could earn a little bit more. Um, I don't know. I think don't get me wrong; it's not it's not just easy, and you just quit your job. There's a lot of thought about it. It don't, it's push it's pushed me, you know, to to do this new dig album. You know, I was very happy with how that's turned out. Um, I can spend more time on, on Stevie's stuff. I can spend more time on my, my own stuff. Um, but, you know, the songs that don't quite make it with Dig, you know, I, I kind of hold them back and I want to I do something with them, like maybe the acoustic album type thing. Um, but, yes, I, I am a musician. I, I play a lot with different people. But I'm also in a, in a position where I'm very lucky with my friends around me that I get asked to go on tours and help people. And... Um, you know, when um, Virgin Mayors have got a great tour manager, Gareth Price, um, when he's not available, I'm, I'm next in line and I help him out. Um, Massive Wagons, I've been on a few tours with them. You know, they're good, great guys and we're very close with them. Um, I'm very grateful for the, you know, for the breaks they've given me. So, yes, I am a musician, but it's kind of like not just playing all the time. I'm just in the music industry working a lot of the time. Um, so yeah it's also it's also very much about networking then isn't it and meeting all sorts of people in various contexts and having contacts that you can go to 100 percent. you've got it you've got to meet everyone i mean that's how we met was it i can't remember how we met yeah <laughs> Somewhere I, mean, online. I think you've always got to be open to like a conversation and and ask people what they do and and you know see what you can do together rather than just be the guy in the band that you know, thinks that people want to talk to him because they don't, you know, have a conversation with people and, and just be genuine and, and just be a nice person, I guess. Like, 
you know, there's no rockstar egos in Dig or the Hooligans or anything. You know, we're just want to go out and have a party and 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 we're lucky that sometimes we're the guys on the stage and sometimes we get to watch the people on stage you know it doesn't matter who you are it all comes back to the same adage in this podcast and it seems to happen every few episodes it comes down to don't be a dick <laughs> just don't i have a thing here that I, I know this is recorded you can't see it but it does say don't be a dick which you told me i couldn't swear so i was gonna say i don't get yeah. that as swearing <laughs> but yeah, 100%. That's the rule of thumb in, in any band I've been in or any I do musically is just don't be a dick. So you'll just burn bridges and then before you know it, you'll be ostracised, probably. <laughs> so, so what's your what's your favourite thing? And then I guess conversely, what's, what do you think is the hardest thing about being a full-time musician? Bit of a double whammy question. I think the answer to both of them is um, keeping busy. You know, uh, again, the, the last the last kind of few months have just been an absolute whirlwind for for anything I've done. I've I've just moved from one like job to job to job, and um, I think saying yes to everything is very important. But then I also think you've got to get to a point where you realize. So in the beginning, you say yes to everything, and then you've got to get to a point where you can't, and you've really got to think about your cards and where you're going to play them. Um, you know, I've, I've been very lucky in the last kind of six months to get some great sponsors. Um, I do a lot with Triumph, which is great. Um, but it's a lot of traveling, you know. Last last week, I, I drove like four hours to go and play, play in Hinkley at, at Triumph. Um, but I know, again, back to the networking thing, it's worth doing because I'm going to get something from it. And I got a lot from that. Um, so, yeah, I think both of those questions, it's keeping busy. I love to keep busy and if I've not got anything going on, I can get my guitar and I can, I can write some new songs. You know, if I haven't got to play, if I haven't got to learn a set for anything or, or work out a dig set or work out what we're going to do in the studio or anything like that, I can write a new song and that, I can keep myself busy. But then the, the, the other flip side of it is the, the downside of it is keep busy. Like cause sometimes it's thick and fast, you know, you, you're so busy that you're just here, then everywhere. Um, but I, again, I, I I can't complain about that. That's you know I I, I, look, I, I enjoy it. Like I said, I'm very feel very privileged for what I'm you know able to do, and um, I can you know go on these tours and, and meet these people and just play music. <laughs> That's what it's about, right? Sounds good to me. Do you think something that's a a challenge? when you become a full-time musician is knowing when to take a break. So functionally your, your hobby has become your job and the temptation is to go, this is great, which I, you know, I'm sure it is, but then to not go, right, I need to schedule some time off. <laughs> so how, how do you approach that kind of thing? It's kind of weird that you've asked that because we've, I've definitely done it at a very strange time because Dig has been, so busy for so many years and before i decided to do this we had already decided that we were going to take a year off not a year off completely but a year off from kind of what i was just saying about saying yes to everything and we'd done that for so many years that we so you know probably the, the start of last year we were like look at some point we need to just stop and Take, take some time, you know. So when I, when I became a full-time musician, I guess, in quotation marks, I, uh, it was weird because Dig had just decided to take this 
this kind of break. But it was good for me because it, it, I didn't have any pressure to write these songs. And then I could go and play an acoustic show and earn some money and then come back. And then the next day, write some more songs and go and do a Stevie rehearsal or go. Do you know what I mean? And then the next thing I know, I've got the album written and dig it back in the studio. Um, so I think, yeah, it's kind of like <sighs> keeping your goals within reach, but maybe not like running at them the whole time. You can, um, you can space them out a little bit. Um, I think is the best way to just kind of say it because you, you, you do need time off, you know, and I, I think a routine is a big thing. I, I know I, I struggled with the first, to be fair, I'm not, I am kind of in a routine, but I'm, I'm only home like three days a week at the minute. Um, I've not had a full week at home for so long. But trying to get a routine where you're not doing something musically, you, you're kind of doing something outside and and completely different to keep your mind fresh and keep, to keep you thinking about something else. Because then when you get to get your hands on a guitar or a, whatever instrument you play, it's like a treat and you can enjoy it. You, know, you don't want it. You give it work to do this. You don't give it work for this to actually become a chore, you know, and you're nine to five and, and you're not enjoying it. So I see. I think it's a good balance and you're, you're right finding that kind of um routine is very important isn't it for just not killing yourself <laughs> yeah, yeah 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 so what would what would you say so far has been your biggest success as a musician and that is a gen- deliberately generic and vague question i'm proud okay i'm proud of two things i'm very proud of our first album um to dig first album, don't throw me with a good time because of the people we got, we got friends on it and people that we never thought would like our heroes and to hear them on our album is just, you know, it was really special. Um, so we got Jesse Hughes from the Eagles of death metal. I mean, we've known him for a long time. Um, and I remember that we, when he phoned me, it was like just before Christmas and he, we spoke about what he was going to do for the album and we agreed to do it. And I was like, you know, pinch, pinch yourself moment. When it all came together, I just couldn't believe that. So that was the first one. And then the second one, we got Ali from the Virgin Marys who genuinely Virgin Marys are well, the reason I started a band. You know, I wanted to be in a three piece band because of them and, um, got to know Ali a bit more or, or a bit more personally through, through lockdown. And I'd written this song and I could hear him. I could hear someone else singing on it, not just me. And when I realized it was him, when he agreed to do it again, what he came through with, it was just like, oh, I can't believe this. Um, and then I also got my granddad on the album, which, you know, is very cool for me. <laughs> I think that's, that's something that will, you know, will always be with our family now. And it's, um, you know, he's, he's a, a, like a trumpet player and he played on the album in between the songs, which I was very proud of. Um, so yeah, I'm very proud of that first album because it was, you know, a lot of work and we've got some really nice people on it that and friends that helped us out. But I'm also very proud of the fact that we are still friends and we still play and hang out together. We don't need a gig or a practice to, to hang out with each other. We can go to the pub and, you know, I see Jack more than anyone really. Um, and yeah, very proud of that because I think that comes across on stage and I think you can tell when bands aren't friends on stage or, or that, that it's kind of been lost in tours or, or whatever disagreements or whatever. 
we're still the same as we were eight years ago. We're still so close and friends. And like we're, our, our kind of rule is, you know, if you're smiling, someone else is smiling. Um, so, yeah, I'm very proud of that that fact. Yeah, I think that's not to be not to be underestimated that it can all get very um, professional and then you kind of forget why you started in the first place. What goals would you say you have for the next six months to a year or so? That could be personal, music endeavours, whatever it may be. Um, so, so Dig have got a new album that's, that's going to be finished uh, next month. Very proud of that. It's very... Um, it's a lot heavier than what we've done before. Um, but the goal for that is to basically just tour it and tour it and tour it and until we can't anymore. Because like I said, we've kind of had a bit of a year off. We've got a few festivals here and there. Um, but yeah, once that comes out, because we're very proud of the songs and how how heavy they are and how different they are to the last album, we want to just play a lot and get some cool support slots. You know, We've been very lucky with the bands we've been on tour with already and I want to keep that going. Um, so yeah, that's that's one goal. And then I would also like to, I've been playing this idea for a long time, but to do an acoustic album, just kind of on my own, maybe with some friends, but something that's not not quite dig, but, um, you know, something a bit more like stripped back. That would be cool. Um, and I think I would enjoy that whole process and to learn a lot from it. Um, you know, I always, we always work with um, a great producer called Dave Draper. I don't know if you know him. Yeah. Dave's great and he's always he always gets the best out of me I, again I know I said that I'm a again quotation marks I'm a front man I want to do that I'm not a guitarist I'm not a singer I've got a microphone and I've got a guitar um, and he knows how to get the best out of me and he knows that I don't like going in the booth and singing because I don't think I'm any good really um, I don't think I can hit those notes but he knows how to work us and I think to do an acoustic album with him would be very helpful for me very beneficial um, for me like you know, moving forward with songwriting. Yes, yeah, a good producer is very helpful <laughs> for getting the best out of musicians. I was thinking. Definitely, yeah, yeah. Um, so my my penultimate question, last one's not really a question, I guess, but uh, my penultimate question, um, is maybe a challenging one to answer. I don't know. What's um your best piece of advice for bands nowadays? I think kind of what I, what I said earlier is in just say yes to everything when you start. You know, don't think, oh, you're not going to drive all the way to London on a Tuesday night to play to three people and the other bands, you know, that are playing on the whatever it is, Bill, do it. Just the way you, every gig is an experience. And the more experience you get, the better, the better you are. So say, don't say, say, don't turn any gigs down. Say yes to everything you can, every opportunity to play. Network. You know, make sure you're going into gig not just to play your set, but to hang around, speak to the band, see what other gigs you can get. You don't know who the, where they're from or who they're playing with. They need a support band. Or you could do a gig swap where, you know, you go down to them and they come up to you. Um, and then just at the same kind of vein as that, just don't be a dick. Just leave that at the door. Leave it at home or in the guitar case, wherever you want to <laughs> leave it. But we're all, we're all the same whether you're on the stage or at the bar, you know. Enjoy it for what it is. Um, and just, yeah, enjoy it. Just smile and take every moment of it because it's it's a great thing to be able to do. You know, there's so many people that wish they could get up on the stage. And if you've got an opportunity to get up on the stage and play your songs, whether, even if it's a cover, you know, take that opportunity. You know, smile, man. It's good. Boom. <laughs> 
Um, so to to close out uh, the podcast, I'd like to ask you for your favourite song to play, maybe from Dig Lazarus. I guess it'll be from Dig Lazarus uh, to play at the end of the podcast, so they can get a feel for what what you're like. So which song is it, and maybe why? Can I just pick a Foo Fighters song? I'm afraid not. <laughs> <laughs> Copyright. I haven't got permission. <laughs> <laughs> um, if you speak to Dave Grohl, then maybe. All right. Yeah. I'll give him. Um, so I sent I sent you the whole album to be honest, and I, I do like a lot of the songs on there. Um, but the one that I would probably put forward is a song called "Time Froze," which is the one that Ali Dickerty uh, from the Virgin Mary sang on. So last song on the album, um, just because I, I never really talk about my lyrics in interviews, and I just like I, not for any kind of you know pretentious reason, just because I like the listener to to interpret the lyrics how they want to and um i just remember writing those lyrics in lockdown and then you know you really mean something so yeah it, i want the listeners to interpret them how, how they will um but yeah so it'll be time throws off don't threaten me with a good time featuring alidicity lovely well as said this is dig lazarus with time throws ash it's been great to talk with you thanks phil enjoy that man cheers Ever made a promise you cannot keep A different problem to start a new week Time froze Nobody knows what you've been up to To stand your ground
damn it, 